to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, good morning, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church pastors and ministers by established church pastors only. I, all of us are pastors, so that's what we do. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? I like that greeting, Josh, this morning. I'm good, man. How are you? You know, I just spiced it up a little bit. Got to, you know, go go with my crazy side. <laughs> Mess up some words. I thought that was what we called Thursday. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just proud that I remembered that we have a podcast to record this week. This is good. People don't know that last week, we Sam and I were like texting Josh saying, hey, you ready to record? And Josh is like, oh, I thought it was the day. I thought that was <laughs> well, listen, It's been that way all week. Yesterday, so ever since COVID started... We do a Wednesday noon live Facebook feed and um, we do prayer and announcements and stuff like that. It's very well attended. It's it's very well done. If I, if I do say so myself, I don't do it, but our staff does. Well, I walk in after lunch yesterday and our receptionist follows me to my office. She says, are you okay? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, Rich did a great job filling in for you. And I said, at what? She goes, the prayer. And I go, what prayer? And so she went like that for four or five questions. And finally she says, the thing we do on Wednesdays at noon. And I go, oh, I completely forgot. You know, and we all start laughing and hearing Rich, how he had to cover. He ran from the booth to the stage like four or five times. And it's just how my week is going. How many people do you have come in for that? Come in? I mean, how many people do you have? Sorry, show up at that sort of. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like 100 or something like that. Gotcha. But it's, it's 10,000, Micah. Yeah. <laughs> you can, well, I, mean, talk, I was just talk like I'm, a lead pastor, Josh. Sorry, I'm thinking through. No, here's what I'm thinking through. Like, how big of an impact does that have on your congregation? If oh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, the ones that like it, like it. My mom watches every week and um, and it helps us. You know, the whole the whole thing we need to talk about our sponsor, but the whole thing where you like people are always like, why do you still do a bulletin? And I'm like, look, as long as we do a bulletin, I can always say it was in the bulletin. So I just <laughs> put things in. That's the only reason we have bulletins. So it was in the bulletin. You can't gripe at me. Seriously, Sam, tell those us about our sponsors. We do have a great sponsor, Sam. Tell us about them. Yeah, Church Initiative. They are the creators of Grief Share, Divorce Care. Um, they are willing to help you get these programs started, and they are great at it. Simple and easy for churches, for leaders. You just got to get one volunteer. You connect that volunteer to the church initiative team. They take it from there. And uh, both Divorce Care and Grief Share are, are wonderful programs. Not only not only are they easy to run, the, the content and the programs themselves are, are excellent. So their coaches, they offer a ministry launch plan. It's customized for your church. They provide step-by-step support. Um, and this coaching that they offer is free. That's how Church Initiative is different uh, than most other courses. Uh, typically, you just buy the course and you're kind of on your own, but not with Church Initiative. They set you up um, with some great coaches. Uh, you got to go check this out. So, uh, if you're interested in divorce care or grief share, and those programs are just what they sound like, you know, it's helping people through divorce, through the pain of divorce, and in grief share, those who are grieving, um, go to divorcecare.org slash start slash EST. Um, or you can go to griefshare.org slash start slash EST. Um, give you a quick start guide, kind of give you a quick overview of what they do there. You can take a peek and, and see what they do. Great stuff. Great program. Great sponsor. Thank you, Church Initiative, for uh, being part of the program. That's right. Thank you, Church Initiative, one of our 
um, very favorite sponsors. We, um, before we get into our topic, we're going to talk about personalities um, or what I like to call black magic and uh, stereotypes. <laughs> voodoo. Voodoo science. Voodoo. Oh, my word. Voodoo. Hocus pocus made up stuff. What we're going to do, Sam, is we're going to spend some time talking about how Josh's personality is wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I'm also a millennial. This is, so this, is a, that in there. this is totally our personality types. Josh is all like, it's a bunch of hogwash. Yes. Mike is like, no, it's wonderful. And I'm over here thinking like, could I start my own inventory and how could I make some money off of this? Yes. Yeah, you can make up one. But before we do talk about that, I want to, uh, I was just going to share something with you guys. Our last episode, episode 192, should a pastor have friends in the church? Great episode. I think, I think if you haven't listened to it, listener, go back and listen to that one. I threw out a Twitter poll just asking the same question. Should a, should a pastor have friends within the church? Uh, 9% said no way. No way. I've, well, that doesn't surprise me. I've heard people say that before. 54% said it's a must. 37% said it would be nice. And so, I was just curious if you just wanted to quickly respond to that 9% no way. Uh, I think they're wrong, but I understand it. I mean, if you've been burned in a couple of churches, more than, you know, more than one church, I mean, it, it certainly uh, gives you a pause for, mm-hmm. for making friends if you've been betrayed. So, I get it. I mean, I can understand why somebody would say that. I don't think that, that it's right. And for those who said no way, it could just be like I'm speaking from a place of hurt. You know, um, that's what I was about to say. So I would almost love, I, I wouldn't love to do this, but if, if we could, I bet you, you survey that 9% and ask them how many of you have been hurt. And I think, I bet you almost all of them have either been hurt or maybe they were hurt. this child of a, of a pastor yeah. and watched their parent get hurt or something along those lines. And uh, I bet you the vast majority of them have, have personal experience with hurt. Hmm. And, well, and that's here. Let's just be honest. That's valid, right? I mean, sure. We, we get sure. that. Yeah. I think, well, and we, all three of us can speak to that. We've all been burned, right? right. I mean, I know yeah. I have. Yeah. So we've shared our opinions on the topic in episode 192. You should go back and listen to it. Should a pastor have friends in the church and make sure that you are following us at EST Church on Twitter because we're always sharing some polls and tweets, some things like that, so that you can be involved in the conversation. And while we're at it, if you like the podcast, go to iTunes or the uh, the, the Google Play Store uh, or wherever it is that we're we're. And if you can rate and review us, it's a huge yeah. help. Very big help when you review us. We love hearing about how great we are. So type that in there. If your opinion is that we're not very good, then find your own podcast. If, if your opinion is that we're podcast. not very good, send it to complaints at estchurch.com. <laughs> and we'll send you a mug. <laughs> no, 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 just at Joe Wiki. And, and all by mugs. All and by complaints. Mug, we- can we go need to at Joe Wiki on, on Twitter. Right. I've got a filter that goes straight to the trash. I was going to say, and by mug, we mean a picture of Josh showing you a mean <laughs> face. That's what we're talking about. That's the mug. I don't have a mean get. face. Come on. All right. Now. So um, let's talk about our personalities. We're talking here not just about Enneagram, not just about Myers Briggs, Myers Briggs, not just Hogwarts, just all of them <laughs> combined. Um, you know, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, all the nerd things. So, let's share ours. And I, I think if you're a long-time listener, if you've listened to 190, this will be your 193rd episode, you can probably guess what our personalities are. So, Josh is uh, the jerk. I'm the jerk. I'm a number one <laughs> on the Enneagram. I'm a one-wing one. I am a ENTJ on the one that's like that. I'm the lion on the one that's like that. And then what's the other thing? The disc, D-I-S-C. Oh, man. I don't know. And I'm high on prophecy and administration. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sam, what about you? Yeah, so on the Myers-Briggs, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to Josh. I'm an ENTJ on the Myers-Briggs, but understand this about my personality. Anytime I take an inventory, I'm always on the extremes. So, I'm never very much in the middle. Uh, anytime I get a score, I'm pretty extreme in that score. On the Enneagram, I'm a one plus an eight. And on one the wing eight. Yeah. One wing eight, uh, although I'm not as familiar with the Enneagram. I've taken it a few times, but I'm more familiar with the Myers-Briggs. On the disc, I'm an I, um, although a D does kind of get up there every now and then, but um, but uh, I on the disc. Yeah, I think I'm a D. You're just that supposed to be one of those, me. right? So I, so, I am on the Enneagram. If I were to, when I just take the Enneagram, it'll tell you that I'm a three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've told you guys that I have, you know, I have a counselor, coach, whatever you want to call him that I've been meeting. Mike, I just want you to know that makes you the best ever and you are really the best friend and you please me and it just makes me so happy that you're on the podcast every week. <laughs> Not me. Sam knows how to push all the buttons. Josh is just like, nope, you're wrong, Micah. Whatever. You need to I'm fix your discrepancies. <laughs> um, so we... Um, we, so I'm a, I'm a three, but, but I meet, I have this counselor that I meet with who's been using the Enneagram for a long time, long before it was popular. And he argues that the idea that we are just a single number is actually a fairly novel concept, newer concept that isn't, isn't necessarily true. And he argues that we need to look at all of the dominant strains that sort of show up in our Enneagram. So I score, I, I, if I take the test, I'm <clears throat> depending on when I take the test, some tests have shown that I'm a three, some show I'm a seven. Uh, when I take it three, seven, and then right behind it is an eight. So <clears throat> if you know anything about the Enneagram, all of those are hyper aggressive, extraordinarily outgoing. That's, you know, which is no surprise probably to anybody. Mm, yeah. Uh, everybody disc, who takes these things describes their own number as extraordinary. Everybody. Uh, yeah. Everybody does. So. <laughs> they all go to the, the examples. Who are the historical people who had your personality? And they're like, look at all the cool people and just forget about all the really bad ones, you know, that had right, the same right, personality right. types. Mussolini. I mean, Mussolini. on the, the disc, Mussolini. I'm an ID on the disc profile. I used to be uh-huh. a high I with almost no D. Over the years, the D has risen, uh, you know, so like which is sort of the more dominant, aggressive um, personality. And I think that's just because of leading organizationally. You've had to learn. I've had to learn how to, mm. you know, to do that more often. So, do you, uh, I'm an do you think ENTP. You're an ENTJ, right, Josh? J. Mm-hmm. I'm an ENTP. So, we're all extroverts. That yeah, we're all no extroverts, which is no surprise here. Which is interesting compared to your dad, Sam, because he, he talks a lot about being an introvert. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he's a strong eye. Right. I mean, strong. Oh, yeah. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. So, when you say strong eye, you're talking about the disc profile. No, mm-hmm. I'm no, no. I'm talking about the Mars break. Oh, okay. So the introverted one. Yeah, he'd be a D yeah. on the disc. Yeah, I was gonna say because when you said he was a strong eye, and I was thinking no, disc profile. No, I was strong like, eye on the Myers Briggs. Introvert, extrovert. The Myers Briggs. I mean, I have written TJ. I've written an the elevator. I and the E is introvert, extrovert. I've written an elevator with your dad where it was the only two of us in there, and he didn't say a word the whole elevator ride. Did he turn around and just face <laughs> he, the wall? He didn't turn around, and face the wall, but he didn't say anything either. <laughs> so let's round this out. So, are you Star Wars or Star Trek? Are you? Uh, I am neither. Oh, okay, I've, good. I'm not a Star Wars, Star Trek guy, and I've never watched Harry Potter or read the books i've never once watched a whole episode of star wars now i will say this i have watched all the episodes of the mandalorian and i really like it hmm. so if we're talking movies which i know I have no idea why this fits our personality type <laughs> if i was going to get into a series of movies i would say james bond no i would say Jason this Bourne. does fit your personality type because the more that i i hear about this hocus pocus stuff especially with the enneagram is it enneagram yeah that's enneagram not enneagram so the enneagram they're, you know, ones are very justice oriented and so black and white, those sort of things, which 
The movie A Few Good Men, literally, I get chills several times in the movie, and a lot of it has to do with the very, the very, um, the battle of justice and what is exactly right. You know, they're given an order. Should they follow the order, even if the order is bad? And so that's an unjust order. And so there's a lot of things that like so, do flow into my personality. Let's piggyback off this. So your personality, we were talking about this before we went on air, uh, mm-hmm. before we started recording. I guess we're not on air, but before we started recording, Josh, you are ex- you're uber black and white. Everything's either right or wrong, good or that's bad. That's right. Just like reality. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> uber shades of gray. I believe in absolute truth. I believe that it exists. Mm-hmm. I believe that there is absolute right and wrong. I just think that, that a lot of things that you would think are either clearly right or clearly wrong. There's room for nuance or ambiguity there. Mm. And, and I just think that, you know, that's, that's, and Sam doesn't care if they're right or wrong. He just wants to know if it can generate profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this, is this a revenue producer or not? I that's mean, an unfair assessment, but I'm just, you know, playing off stereotypes. No, I mean, I'm, I, I'm probably more like Josh, but I'm, I'm definitely in between the two of you in this area in terms of black and white shades of gray. And for the record, because, you know, I just want to be clear on this. We joke around a lot and Micah and Sam and I are friends. And so, we also have a whole context of text messages and just we know each other's spouses and families and stuff like that. But this show does frame the three of us to a lot of people in our circles of friends. I'm not nearly as black and white as we like to pretend on the show or as um, strong-willed. I see a ton of nuance. In so, here's what I, I think this goes to Enneagram stuff. I think when you're with other peers, sort of some of those personalities – sort of assert themselves. And I think that's one of the things that is true about all of our personalities. There's a difference between when we're sort of on and when we're relaxed, laid back and casual. So I'm Mm. extraordinarily verbal. You guys know that about me. Like my Mm -hmm. nickname when I was a kid was, was motor motor mouth. Like I am very, that's still your nickname. Do I? That's still your nickname. That's my point. But when I'm at home, you can ask my family. I'm almost the quietest person in our house. Mm. I mean, there's three. I'm just, and and it's not because we're not communicating for one. It's because I have two teenage daughters and a teenage son and my son Mm -hmm. talks more than my daughters and there's just not space to get a lot of words in edgewise otherwise. But, but I think there is a sense of what our personality is like when we're sort of on in front of people and, and not that we're, not that we're not honest about who we are, but there are portions of our personality that sort of rise to the surface depending on the moment, what we think is demanded in the moment. Oh, there's no doubt that my personality on this show is say a little different than when I'm standing before my church at a business meeting, mm-hmm. right? You know, there is a level, if you're a leader, there's a level of diplomacy, there's a level of decorum, um, there's a level of understanding. You know, if you're in a hospital room with somebody who's grieving and they just lost a loved one, you know, that you know, the, the, this is where personality kind of breaks down the tests themselves and thinking that you're always something. Uh, and Micah, you kind of pointed to this. There are other traits that will rise up depending on the the situation. I think um, one of the things that I'm learning about this, and I think this is just going to be the show. We're just going to kind of talk about our personalities and how we're struggling through them, wrestling through them. And I do have a question. I think one of the things I would love to throw at you, particularly Micah, but you also, Sam, is why I think a lot of this is hogwash. And you could help me understand why maybe it's not hogwash. But one of the things that's developing as I look at this a little bit more is the reality that even though I do see things as black and white typically, and I don't mind getting into nuance, but I want to have a firm 
stranglehold, I want to make sure that we are always holding onto what I believe to be right or wrong. And then we can vary out there, but I'm not willing to let loose of that. And so I can't go very far. The way that I'm understanding nuance is it is reality that people are, uh, you know, various shades of gray, you know, the, the various, that is a reality. And so I hold that as true. And so as I, and so what I'm noticing about my personality is not that everything has to be put into two categories, right or wrong, but that everything has to be framed in what is actually true. And so the more that I can pull the truth out of things. So for instance, one of the reasons that people are varied in their approach to things is past trauma is the, their education, um, their educational level, and then also the kind of education that they had, these sort of things. And so, as I put those things into the reality of who that person is, I can see you as varied. I can see you as um, multifaceted, but I need to know what the realities are to help me approach that person. It's not a matter of just saying that person bad, that person good. That's, I guess, an immature outworking of my personality. What are some of the ways that y'all have seen your personality develop over time? Yeah. So I would say, I'll just tell you, let me tell you one of the weaknesses of my personality. So my personality tends to be, I, I, I tend to see both sides of arguments and I can see the strength, even if, even in a situation where a person is wrong, I can see elements of what they did that was right. And I can see elements of what the other side did that was wrong. And so what, what that does is it, it can make it difficult for me to make decisions at times, right? I can struggle. Um, I can, you know, I can think about a staff situation where someone did something wrong, but there were mitigating circumstances and they're not sufficient enough to justify them doing something wrong, but it, it, it tends to give me some sort of sympathy towards them. And, and I probably should be a little bit more, uh, black and white with respect to those issues. That's one of my weaknesses. Sometimes as a leader, it can be difficult for me to say, no, this is the way it's going to be. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And we're going to move forward with it. I'm not talking about moral ambiguity here, right? I'm not talking about whether something is morally right or something is morally wrong. I'm more talking about leadership decisions, personality, you know, that sort of thing, uh, conflicts that can arise. And so, um, I can tend to struggle with that. Now on the flip side, I think those who work with me would tell me that I have a, an ability to help navigate tricky situations because I can tend to see both sides of the situation. I can tend to sort of sympathize with, with everybody and help move towards reconciliation by affirming both. And at the same time in the, that affirmation, identifying here's some areas of weakness. So, I, I mean, it's just an intriguing place. It is frustrating for me. Sometimes I really wish that I felt more black and white. I, I, I wish that I was just by nature a little more uh, black and white and could make decisions quicker. It takes me a little longer often to make decisions because I have to really process through everything. But yeah, I mean, those are real strengths Sam, and weaknesses. what's the, what's with the negative position. to your personality? Yeah, well, uh, being an ENTJ on the Myers-Briggs, um, one of the first lines in the assessment, and I took the very detailed assessment, but I still remember this when, when I got my report, it said, cannot, you cannot not lead. So I, I, I kind of liken myself to that uh, dog that, you know, is made to shepherd, you know, sheep or cattle or whatever it is. And if there's nothing to herd, it'll just like, you know, herd whatever. You know, like just the out there, just run around the house. Yeah, running around, just yeah. run around for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my wife will tell me all the time. She'll be like, "Let's just go have fun," and I'm like, "Why? <laughs> you know what? Th that's not efficient. That's not you know that that's not going to take us anywhere." Sounds great. Let me make a plan. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'll make a plan to go do that. Um, so I think that's one downside to my personality is I, you know, cannot not lead. Well, I love to lead, and I like being in leadership positions and leadership situations, and I love a challenge. Um, now on the Enneagram, you know, I'm a one, which you know, I'm a reformer, um, very principled, uh, and you know, very self controlled, very disciplined. Um, but the eight in me, which is a you know a, a wing, as they call it, uh, I, I'm I'm not afraid of a fight. Mm. Uh, at all. Like, bring it. Let's slow the gloves down. I- I'm not afraid of a literal fight. <laughs> I'm not afraid of one online. I'm not afraid of, you know, one at a business meeting. I'm, not, I'm just not. I just, mm. I don't mind confrontation. In fact, I almost, this is a downside of my personality as a pastor. Sometimes I just like, let's go fight just to yeah. just see what happens. I think that and, would be And that's eight. not, mm-hmm. what, what's that? I think that is what they say the eight is. They're, yeah. They're just, they're willing now, to Now, the fight. good side of that is, you know, in my defense, the good side of that is, you know, there's times when you're not supposed to back Sometimes down. we need a fight. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's necessary. So, yeah. I've, I've had to work to control that part of my personality. Now, it's not a dominant part of my personality, but mm-hmm. it is something that um, that I've had to watch and be careful of, particularly being a pastor. You know, it, you know, I'm not in the military, for instance, um, with, with which that personality trait may be better fitted for the, mili- for the military. But, um, and I don't want to, you know, stereotype anybody, of course, sure. but- um, but yeah, I've had to work on that. Um, so, it's good and it's bad. I'm just like any personality. There's pieces of it that, you know, there's times when I'm like, okay, I think I did all right there. And there's other times where I'm just like, wow, I messed up big on that one. I think um, for the negative trait that I'm really discovering in myself is that ones on the Enneagram say that from what they tell me, um, because we're so justice oriented or it's not justice, it's like, you know, a nuanced version of integrity that it has to line up. It's right and wrong. It's what you perceive to be right and wrong. So, I get offended, not in the sense of like pouty, my feelings hurt, but like I feel offended uh, because I am the harshest critic on myself. And if I'm not viewed as having integrity or aligning on the right side, I then feel as though I have lost the respect of my peers. And, And the weird thing is, and I don't know what part, and this is the part that kind of leans into the hogwash side of things, but I don't really feel that in my church context. I've never really felt that as a pastor. I feel like I'm supposed to chart a course. I'm going to go, I'm going to lead out. This is the right thing to do in the time. And I'm going to go forward with that. But interacting on social media, interacting with my other pastoral friends, when there are nuanced um, topics that come up within our uh, our our political sphere or our our extended faith family i feel like i'm like how do you not see this why am i the only one over here saying that person is wrong and so there there was a new, there was a situation just here recently where this guy on twitter just aggressively attacked this woman on twitter for the most stupid reason and then he gave some half-hearted apology the next day and everybody was like, oh, okay, yeah, so it's okay, it's fine. And I'm sitting over there going, it's not fine. It's not allowed. You're not allowed to just say, oh, my bad, and then keep going. But that was a lot of my personality. And so, in that moment, I just decided to be quiet on Twitter because it's just not something that's going to help me or or her or whatever. Yeah, I try not to engage on Twitter. Um, well, I, I think uh, that's generally true. I'm just showing yeah, how I lurk, my personality. I lurk a lot on Twitter and I see a lot of things. Um, maybe I shouldn't. 
And then there's times where I'm like, ooh, I so want to jump in on this, but I just can't. I just, and that's, that's where I think that self control, that one, mm. that discipline does help. Um, because yeah, there's plenty of times I've wanted to engage because there's, in some situations, I'm like, I actually know what happened here and I'd love to correct everyone, but it's not the place. So yeah, here's it's not the, the place. I think, I don't think we've, I don't remember if I've talked about this or not, but I don't, I'm not on Twitter at all. I mean, I, I have an account on Twitter, but I gave my password and username to our communications team. And so I can post through Buffer, but I can't go, I don't see anybody's post on Twitter mm. unless somebody sends it to me, but I can put content out there. Of course, that means I can't reply to anyone and I can't see my direct messages, but that has been incredibly healthy for me. And I've actually deleted Instagram off my phone too. The only thing I'm using right now is Facebook. Um, but even there, I, I don't dialogue 97% of the time I put content out and I leave it alone. And I know that's not what social media is there for, but I just don't, but to keep it, I don't like conflict as much as you guys do. Yeah. But to keep it, <laughs> well, I don't like conflict. I like justice. I like what is right. And so I hate, that's why I don't have any eight in me. I don't feel, I don't want to fight. I'd rather not fight at all. It's just, there's times where I feel like it's either a fight or we're wrong. And so I'm going to do the fight and um, I'd rather lose blood than be considered without integrity. And yeah. so that's just kind of the, and to put it in context, social media just puts all the personalities out there and then they're all given the same platform and they're all allowed. And sometimes that's, that's unhealthy. Here's the part of that. I think it's just hogwash and help me understand this. Um, help me, help me see a clear right and wrong answer to this. Help me help you, Josh. Okay. So it, it seems like it's boxes. It seems, which I think that's the millennial side of me that hates putting labels on things in particular myself, but you've got all these. And then when you start talking about people and you're like, okay, but they're a one, but then they act like this. Well, they're a one. And, and then, and people nuance it so much that I'm like, well, then why did we even do this? Yeah. So if, here's, here's the thing. I think this is where my personality comes in, Josh. Cause in, again, in your mind, you're seeing either the Enneagram is right or it's wrong. Right. Either it's good or it's bad. I mean, that's or your it's helpful time. or it's just for house. Yeah. Moms or if it's shops. not completely helpful, if there's reasons to nuance it, then we ought to throw it away. There's no benefit at all. I would argue that the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs or whatever the case might be is beneficial insofar as its own as we recognize its limitations. It's kind of like a mirror that helps us to see who we are. But there's a couple of ways it can be bad. Sometimes people justify sin by saying, oh, I'm just a two. I'm just a mm -hmm. three. That's just right, how that's, we react. No, yeah. no, you're not. You sinned. Repent, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. you can't do that. And then sometimes I think we recognize that there is no such thing as a, you know, the average person doesn't exist. I think all of us sort of perceive our own idiosyncrasies and quirks and thinks, and we think, oh, that's what's wrong with me because I'm not like the average person. And this sort of mythical average person that's out there is a non-existent person. Everybody's got idiosyncrasies. Everybody's got quirks. Everybody has nuance. And so I think the Enneagram and, and what, one of the things I think the Enneagram is super helpful is to help us to see how generally speaking, our personality type receives criticism and receives affirmation and how, so as a staff member, I've, I've really been thinking about having all of our leadership team take the Enneagram so that it better helps me approach each of them when I have to say, affirm them or offer critique. What's the way I can do this that is most meaningful and well received and then, you know, utilize it in that way. But if we think of it as an absolute, 
which is, I think, what you're going to struggle with because you see everything in sort of absolutes. If we think of the Enneagram as absolute, then anytime there's a variance, we think the Enneagram's, you can think the Enneagram's broken or the Myers-Briggs is broken or the disc profile's broken. No, it's not broken. We're no. nuanced. I mean, we're nuanced individuals. Everybody's an individual. But see here, this is an example of why I think that it's harmful. That's not the way I see it. That's the way you assume I see it because I'm supposed to be a one. Right. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I don't see it that way. I do see it as varied. And I see that generally speaking, I think I have seen examples where it says what you just said. This is how you take compliments. This is how you take criticism. Right. That has been awesome. So as long as the these tests are applied to me, I find right. them very helpful. Yeah, yeah. But then everything after that, what people say is, yeah, but then you just have to sit down and get to know the person. Well, the, that's what I was saying in the first place. Just get to know the person instead of, <laughs> so why do we have to go through this extra step where then I go into the conversation? So like if you're doing an interview process and I look at the inter, or the resume, oh, this person is a six. Therefore, they're going to believe all these things. Now, as I sit down, I'm already looking through them, looking at them through a screen that is so nuanced, it's not all that helpful. Yeah, and I, th you've made a key distinction here, Josh, and I think this this is what would, will be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, personality inventories are less helpful if you don't know the person. So if you're just if you just if you're interviewing, you just met this person, looking at their score. They're more helpful if you know this person really well, and it gives you insight like into into what what makes them tick. Mm. So, for instance, we have somebody on our staff that is very empathetic, and and I kind of knew that before, you know, the test. But after we did, we did Strengths Finder with the with the staff, and it's also another good resource. Um, and you know, and and hearing her talk about herself and the empathy, and it, 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 something clicked in my brain. It's just like okay. Now I know how to interact with this person a little better. And it was a very helpful thing. And, you know, with me, I'm the, I'm the guy that when the coach, you know, threw the clipboard and, you know, stomped on the floor and got in your face and yelled at you, you know, nose to nose and, you know, shoved you a little bit, that got me going. Like, you know, that I, I received that kind of feedback well. I mean, you, you get in my face and yell at me, that's going to motivate me um, because that's the eight in me. What's not going to motivate me is all this wishy-washy, you know, hey, it'll be all right. You know, it's like, no, I want you to come in and yell at me. Get me, get me fired up. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just, it's knowing how to interact with people. Um, I think that's where it's helpful. And it's most helpful when you already know the person. It can add a layer in. Yeah. I just saw your um, what you signed in as your username. Oh, it just kind of stuck out to me. So this is that took you a while. It did. It just <laughs> popped up. It's right there. So I think this is a conversation as we as we close out the episode, which needs to close at thirty minutes, not twenty nine, thirty one, because you know there's right and there's wrong. Oh my and gosh. so <laughs> you know all these examples of actual reality. The um, I think it's important. What what's kind of rising from this is to have conversations. Take these tools into the conversation, be more reflective than you are, uh, you know, criti critical of the other person. Talk about you. And so if you're on a leadership team, bring your your disc, your number, whatever, into a conversation and talk about you and how you receive those things. I think that's helpful. That's how I would kind of apply this. How about you, Micah? How would you? Apply yeah, I mean, I think this is. I am all for any and every tool that's beneficial. I, I'm uh, everybody who knows me pretty well probably knows foundational for my theology is the statement. All truth is God's truth mm. that, that wherever it's found, I don't care who says it, who wrote it, who thought it, if it's true, it originated in God. Sure. And so Enneagram's fallible. 
The Myers-Briggs fallible. DISC is fallible. You know, the five love languages are fallible. All of them are fallible, but they can be helpful. They can be beneficial. So use it as a tool, help it to filter and help it to, to in, instruct in how you lead, but you can't treat it as infallible. And that's my concern with sometimes Enneagram in particular. It's almost treated like Bible by mm. some folks. Be cautious of that. That's not helpful. But as a leader who's having to engage with people, and especially if you're not from the church that you are um you know, Maybe. if you've come into a church where you don't know folks super well and as you're learning them, it can be an incredibly helpful tool to help them understand you and vice versa mm. and, you know, and so on. So I think use it as a tool. Be be thankful for it. Just don't look to it to do what the Bible or Jesus is supposed to do. That's right. Talk to people. Sam, you got any final thoughts? Um, Josh, you're right, as you always are. Thank you. And uh, Micah, thank you for informing me in ways that I never imagined possible. I feel like a better person because of you today. <laughs> oh, Sam's eight is coming out and I was told specifically not to use a certain word um, before the show. So I'm not going to. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Check it next week. Hi there, Tom Rainer here. I realize it might seem we're nowhere near the holiday season, but it will soon be upon us before you know it. And our friends over at Church Initiative want us to remember that the Thanksgiving and Christmas season is a time of year that can be really tough for people who's lost a loved one or who have been divorced. So listen to some of the things grieving and divorced people say on their Grief Share and Divorce Care Facebook pages during the holiday season. People like Jean and Susan are hurting. They're looking for help. And you can provide it through your church, through divorce Divorce Care and Grief Share, Surviving the Holiday Events. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash holidays to learn how your church can offer one or both of these impactful programs this holiday season. And you can get the information in the show notes as well. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.